Here we are to continue our studies in Mark in chapter 13. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. Chronologically, we are in the last week of Jesus' life on earth, and he is saying things that needed to be said for all who heard him, but what he said continued to agitate his opponents, the chief priests, scribes, and Pharisees, the leaders of the Jewish religion at that time. We're going to continue now in Mark chapter 13. If you've listened to these videos, if you've watched before, you know what our format is. We read through the text of Mark 13 with only brief comments, and then when we finish the chapters, read through, then there are some takeaways and some wrap-up commentary. Mark 13, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, this is a clear reference to the destruction of Jerusalem that Jesus prophesied, and historically there are accounts that indicate the exact fulfillment of this in 70 AD when Roman armies came in. Since it was fulfilled prophecy, we can consider this as God's work, God's judgment on the Jewish nation that is past. Jesus was very specific. There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And the parallel account you can read in Matthew 24. Now, this next section I'm going to read is connected to what we just read. It is sometimes portrayed as signs of the end of the world, but a more careful reading shows Jesus was still talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and, in fact, responding to his disciples' questions. So let's continue in Mark 13 at verse 3, and we will read over through verse 13. Mark 13, 3 through 13. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Now pause there and follow that pronoun phrase, these things the things he just mentioned, not one stone left upon another concerning the temple buildings. Verse 5, we continue. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. 
for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In understanding this that we have just read, I'll say again, it is connected to the opening verses. And it's critical to remember, although all through these verses we've just read, Jesus is responding to the question posed by his disciples. When will these things be? Then Jesus responds. He speaks of various indications and conditions that would prevail before the actual event. Verses 14 through 23, same subject, 14 through 23. And when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out, and let the one who is in the field not return back to take his cloak. But alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on your guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Here again, people can get all wrapped up in some of the specific dramatic language and skip what Jesus was talking about, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, not the final end of the world. It was the end of something, and it was a coming of judgment, but not the end of the world. 
and some of this language signals that this would be intensely local for these men who were asking these questions. Those in Judea fleeing to the mountains, that's a local reference. Not taking your coat, the reference to the distress for pregnant women. Pray that it will not happen in winter. These are local references. In their lifetime, the subject hasn't changed. The destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. 24 through 27. Mark 13, 24 through 27. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. I'm still convinced the subject hasn't changed. Jesus continues to answer their question about the destruction of the temple and when they would know this was about to happen. The word coming throws people off. However, in the Old Testament, there were many comings of the Lord in judgment against various nations. This is still the prophecy Jesus gave about the destruction of Jerusalem. Here's another fig tree lesson, verses 28 through 31. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, notice that phrase, these things, the things he's been talking about, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things, all these things previous to this verse, until all these things take place, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Here again, the Lord said, when you see these things taking place, he's talking to Peter, James, John, and Andrew. This is about something they would see. It would be within the framework of their experience, this coming judgment against the Jewish nation. Jesus spoke of nearness. Now, verse 32, verse 32 there is a shift. Actually, it is signaled in verse 31. So let me start from 31 and read to the end of the chapter. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, 
For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all. Now Jesus speaks to all. Stay awake. So there is that shift in verse 31, where it speaks of heaven and earth passing away. Previous to this, the subject was the destruction of Jerusalem. They had signs and they had instructions. These men were to follow. This final section concerns the final passing away of heaven and earth. And about this final event, the end of time, the second coming, Jesus said three words. No one knows. They would know when the destruction of Jerusalem would come. They had signs. But about the final passing away of heaven and earth, no one knows, Jesus said. That's Mark chapter 13. I'll have more to say about some of this just after I refresh my voice with a little water. I'll be right back. So, what do we make of all this? In Mark chapter 13, I have a few follow-up points. One of the most well-known denominational preachers in the 50s and up through the 80s, and now on video messages and still quoted often, Billy Graham. I remember hearing him preach on this passage and the parallel in Matthew 24, and he would say nothing about the destruction of Jerusalem. He would preach these passages about the end of the world, the second coming. Many denominational preachers picked up on that, and those of our fellowship were often criticized as being dogmatic advocates of amillennialism. You probably haven't heard that word this last week. Amillennialism, belief that the kingdom of Christ is a present reality, and we don't know when the end will come. This passage up through verse 31 is about the destruction of Jerusalem that's already happened. That happened back in 70 AD. It happened in the lifetime of these men Jesus gave instructions to about it. And we know that because he told them what to look for, what they would see, and what people in that generation needed to do. Just take your cue in verses 1 and 2, and their question in verse 4, and that's the subject up until you get to around verse 31. But let me use this approach. If this is all about the end of the world and the second coming of Christ, verse 17, women who are pregnant are not. That won't matter when Jesus comes. Verse 18, we can't pray that the Lord will not come in winter. We don't know when he will come, certainly not the season. We can't ask him to come or not come in a particular season. If you are in the field working, don't go back and get your coat. The Lord's final return will be sudden. No time to get your coat. And wherever you're going, you won't need a coat. This, up through verse 31, is about the subject introduced at the beginning of the chapter, the destruction of Jerusalem. 
Let's talk about the abomination of desolation. Here is a case where Jesus cites a prophecy and speaks directly to its fulfillment. In verse 14, in uh, some translations, like the New King James, it reads, when you see, again, this is something these men would see, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. The uh, ESV and NIV don't show that. The NIV has a footnote, but this certainly is what Daniel wrote as per Matthew 24, 15. So here is a case where Jesus speaks of an event that would occur soon. It did occur in 70 AD, and he connects it with the prophecy of Daniel. Abomination means detestable, loathsome. Desolation means destruction. It was detestable the way the Jewish leaders had ruled, and it would be detestable when the Roman armies came in 70 AD. Jesus connects Daniel's prophecy, Daniel 9, to what he was talking about, the destruction of the temple buildings that happened in 70 AD. For me or anyone to stretch this beyond 70 AD, way beyond 70 AD to the end of time, ignores what Jesus said. We know this, when the Lord returns, fleeing to the mountains will have no effect. It will be a sudden event. Our message is the gospel. Our message is the gospel, not sensational speculation about prophecy in the end times. I have an interest in studying the prophecies of the Old Testament, learning to move around in those passages and seeing their fulfillment. That's part of Bible reading and Bible study. But to turn Bible prophecy into a playground of sensational speculation and try to pull people in a certain direction in regard to speculative events is an utter spiritual failure. Jesus said, watch and pray. We have no signs of his second coming. Watch and pray does not mean turn prophecy away from its context. Watch and pray is about our lives now, preparing for the Lord's return, being ready, having no idea when it will be. And I will mention this. When you surf the internet, browse bookstores, and see ads and even movies, there is a lot of hype about end times. A whole series of books and corresponding movies in the Left Behind series. A lot of talk about the rapture. In almost all of this that trends in the evangelical denominational religious world, the context of the destruction of Jerusalem is simply overlooked. Here in Mark 13, two events, one would occur in the lifetime of those Jesus spoke to. The latter event, well, Jesus said, no one knows. But here's something else inside of Mark 13. Verse 31, Jesus said, My words will by no means pass away. What Jesus left for us in the New Testament is permanently valuable. This means there will never be a time in our existence when his words no longer have authority. Never a time 
when we can expect God to drop another testament down to us. Never a time when it will be wise for men on earth to edit or revise the New Testament. Even in heaven, the words of Jesus are treasured and do not change. The words of Christ are constant, dependable, <coughs> permanently valuable, and we should be thankful we have his words in the New Testament. And here's what we need to do. Take heed, watch and pray. And that's an individual responsibility. You cannot hire someone to do this for you. You cannot assume that somebody else will do this for you. Jesus said to his disciples then, and this applies to all of us, watch and pray because we don't know when he will come again. I want to mention one more thing. The early disciples were faithful to the Lord and preached the gospel even in times of bitter opposition and chaos. Jesus said it would be hard. They would be turned over to authorities. Stephen, for example, was turned, uh, turned into his death. Paul faced a Jerusalem mob Five times, he says, he was beaten in the synagogue, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. But they didn't remain silent. Watch and pray, and they kept preaching the gospel. I hope this study of Mark chapter 13 has been insightful and valuable for you. Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So, final word, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Thank you.